The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. Good morning, church, and good morning to those of you who are on Zoom. I guess I shouldn't say good morning. It could be good evening for you wherever you're at there as well. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm thankful that GCC has been going through 1 Corinthians. This is such a powerful and helpful book for churches, thinking about how to live as church together with each other. I don't know about you, but I struggle to read. It hasn't always been this way. I used to be able to open up a book on a Sunday afternoon and read for two or three hours without any problem. I used to be able to lie down in bed in the evening and pull out a novel and read until I fell asleep. But now, there's always some distraction. Maybe I'm reading in the book and I come along a topic and I wonder, oh, I wonder what that means. Oh, I wonder whenever that happened. And I pull out my phone and I, I don't use Google, but I search on DuckDuckGo or whatever for whatever topic that I'm looking for. And then maybe after 10 or 15 minutes of being distracted, I go back to my book. I'm constantly overwhelmed with something new to read, something new to learn, something new to study, something new to play. And because of this, I have this low-level form of anxiety that psychologists are starting to speak about. There's always something new to, to worry about, always something new to read about. And here's the problem. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert on economics, but I'll read articles about economics. I'm not an expert on politics or foreign policy or sales or tech or any of the other topics that I'm constantly bombarded with notifications about. But I'll read about it. And you see, I'm not an expert, but I also have this problem. And the problem is this, I am a problem solver, as many of you are. And so whenever I see that there's a problem, something maybe with the world, or something maybe uh, with what I'm reading, or what I'm studying, or what I'm wanting to learn, I'll try to figure out a way to solve that problem. I'll try to come up with my position, my solution, right? And that requires jumping here and there, and so I'm anxious because so many of these problems I'm not an expert on. I can't solve. They are beyond my control. And so I'm anxious about them. Things that I have no, no qualifications to solve. Things that I have no power to change. And furthermore, in this world in which we live with constant distraction and constant information, I'm bouncing back from topic to topic, to topic, on a never-ending roller coaster of emotions. Black lives matter. No, wait, Asian lives matter too. Wait, 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 I have to wear a mask all the time. And no, 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 I can never drink out of a straw again in my life. Constantly, there's something 
that is drawing at me, saying, pay attention to this. Try to solve this problem. Try to do this. Try to invest your life in this constantly. And if I move from out there in the big world problems to the personal level, it's just as chaotic. On Insta, I see that a friend is having a better time than me. Wait, I just read on Facebook that she got a promotion. I'm more deserving. Oh no, he just tweeted that he and his wife are separating. They must be in so much pain. What can I do for them? This constant bombardment of information. God did not create us to cope with this amount of information. He also didn't create individuals to deal with everyone's problems all the time. You are not equipped to do that. I am not equipped to do that. In fact, having this type of attitude where I'm thinking I can solve everybody's problems, I can take care of my own life, I can take care of their lives, I can take care of all these different things, this attitude is unhealthy physically, mentally, psychologically, and spiritually. So what is God's solution to a world of overwhelming problems that you can't personally solve? I believe his answer is the church. And I believe that our passage this morning, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through to 31, shows us this. I want us to see this morning from this passage that God gave us a church with a unified mission, but with diverse members, so that you and I can face whatever problems come together. So that we can trust in the Lord and trust in His sovereignty that He has a control over this situation. And that even though I may not be equipped to solve this issue, God has equipped people in His church to do this. We are unified in our diversity. So let's look this morning at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through to 30. One, the first point that I want us to see from our passage comes in the first three verses, verses 12 through to 14, and it's this. One church has many distinct members. Let me read these verses to us. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. One church has many distinct members. We see Paul state this explicitly in verse 12. He states it as well in verse 14. And he goes on to justify this point in two ways. 
The first way we see in verse 13 is he says we are baptized by one spirit into one body. We are baptized into one body. The second way that he justifies this point is that we are given one spirit. We are baptized by one spirit into one body. Let's think about this for a minute and what the implications of this might be. You see, no matter where you come from, no matter your religious background, your social status, your ethnicity, for you to enter a local church and to become a member of a local church, the requirement is the same. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter what religion you held to in the past. All that matters is do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe the Gospel? That Jesus Christ came and He lived a sinless, perfect life? That Jesus, by His own will, went to the cross to die on that cross in your place? and to rise from the dead so that you too might live forever if you trust in Him? If you believe this Gospel, then you are baptized into one body, regardless of any other diversity or any other distinctions that we might make about individuals, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, Chinese, or Indian, or Matsale, whatever it may be, unified into one body. When a person is baptized, the church is confessing that this person is an authentic believer in Jesus Christ. A church makes no distinction and that's the point. But we also see in this passage, it says in verse 13, that we are baptized by one Spirit into one body. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the same for all believers in Christ. God doesn't look at us as we unite with the church and say, okay, well, you get a spirit of whatever. You get a spirit of whatever. You get a spirit of whatever. No, there is one spirit. Irrespective of your differences that you are given whenever you come into the body of Christ. God makes no distinctions on how much spirit He gives. He doesn't say, you have the gift of teaching, you get more spirit. You have the gift of administration, maybe you get a little less spirit. That's not the way that God works. You are a believer in Christ, you get all of God's spirit. No distinction. So we have here one church with many distinct members. Unified 
in baptism and the Spirit. But the second thing I want us to see comes in verses 15 through to 20, and it is this. Diversity makes a church stronger. Let me read verses 15 through to 20. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So we see here that diversity makes a church stronger. This is stated implicitly in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And so on and so forth. The church is able to do more because the church is diverse. And so Paul argues this point in three ways. The first way is in verses 15 and 16. If you look in your Bibles, you can see it. Diversity is not a reason to feel excluded. No one should say, just because I'm not called to serve on the worship team, I'm therefore not a member of the church. Maybe you just can't sing well. Just, just teasing. Maybe, you know, nobody should say, just because I'm not teaching an equip group, I'm not a member of the church. No, you have been gifted in a diverse way to, to perform the function for which God has called you to perform in the church. Do not feel excluded because someone has a different gifting than you. The second way that Paul argues this point is in verses 17 through to 19, he shows that diversity allows for unique purposes within the church. An eye can't smell. A nose can't hear. God has gifted you in these certain ways, but by God gifting these people in these certain ways and these people in these certain ways, God is able to fulfill many unique purposes within one church. It's still the same local church, still baptized into one body by one spirit, but is accomplishing many purposes through the unique qualifications and giftings and roles that God has given you. So diversity allows for more possibilities. The third thing that Paul argues here is in verse 20, that the diversity is unified in one body. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Just because... You have hands and eyes and ears and a nose and feet. Doesn't mean that you are just a, a multiplicity of parts. No, you are still one body. And so diversity makes that one body stronger and more capable. 
I'm limited in what I know. I'm limited in what I can do. And so are you. And so I thank God that God has equipped some of you to do things that I could never do. He has equipped some of you to know things that I could never know. He has made you able to do things that I'm not able to do. He's given some of you wisdom that I will never have, experience that I will never have. And that's true for each and every one of us. And so this diversity makes the church stronger. And this diversity, and this is my next point, is unified in the church. We see this in verses 21 through to 26. Let me read it. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Diversity is unified in the church. This is stated in verses 21 through to 23. All of the parts of the body are indispensable and treated with honor from God. And so Paul reinforces this point first in verses 21 through to the first half of 24, where he says that diverse members shouldn't exclude one another. None of us should think, oh, because I have this role in the church, we don't need the rest of you. None of us should think, oh, because I'm gifted in this way, we don't need all of these other gifts. Diverse members shouldn't exclude one another. We should see in our diversity the glory of God at work. Second, Paul reinforces this point by saying that God has given diverse members their place in the church. So we see in the second part of verse 24, God has put the body together. You are not the leader of this church. You are not the one who is in charge of setting up this church. This church belongs to God. And since this church belongs to God, He will bring the people together. He will give the people their roles. He will determine how it needs to function. And we see many of the ways that it is supposed to function in His Word. And we see in this church, in GCC, that God has called certain men to serve as elders, certain people to lead in worship, certain people to serve as deacons, the, the others to serve as faithful members who are holding each other accountable, spurring each other on to good works, confessing your sins one to another. Each of you is called to a role in this church. And God, God is the one who planned that and has given each of you 
the part for which you serve. And Paul reinforces this point about diversity being unified in the church in a third way. Verse 26. Diverse members within a church suffer together and rejoice together. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the greatest news that you can know this morning is that you are united to Him by faith. You are united to Jesus Christ by your faith in Him. That means that even though you have a life of sin, even though you are still prone to do this evil thing or that evil thing, even though your heart is still deceitfully wicked and desperately sick, like Jeremiah 17 says, that you are united to Christ by faith. And so His righteousness becomes your righteousness. His goodness becomes your goodness. But since you are united to Christ, you are united one to another. And so even though you have diverse giftings and callings and roles, you are part of one body. Christ's body. And so when the body of Christ suffers, even if you don't personally suffer, you suffer as part of that body. Whenever the body of Christ rejoices because one member is honored, you rejoice. Even if you personally weren't honored in that situation, you are one body. You are every bit a part of the body of Christ. And so you suffer together. You rejoice together. And so your diverse members in the local church are united in the one body of Christ. And so the final point then comes from the last few verses. I'm actually not going to cover verse 31 as I think that it fits more clearly with the following chapter. But I will go ahead and read it. Beginning in verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of all different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The final point I want us to see from the passage is this. You play a unique role in the church. This is stated directly in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul clarifies this point in two ways. First, he clarifies this point by listing out the various roles in the church. Not everybody has the same role. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do the various gifts that it mentions here. 
helping, serving, guidance. But second, Paul clarifies this point by implying that no individual can do everything required. That's what's going on with the questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? In other words, we need all of these. Not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everybody is called to be a teacher. Not everybody is called to help. But the church needs each of these. And all of you have a part in it. Each of you has a part. God has given you gifts, a calling, a role in His local church. And God has given you a church to help you discern that. It would be very easy for us to say, oh, I think I'm good at this. I should do this in the church. Sometimes our perception is a little off. And so God has given you a church so that brothers and sisters can come alongside you and say, hey, I really see that you are gifted in this way. He's given you elders of this church, Massimo, Manhung, Chris, that can come alongside and say, I, you know, I think God is gifting you in this way. I think I see the evidence of His grace at work in you in this way. Why don't you help out with this? Why don't you serve in this way? But you have a role. And so I hope from this passage you have seen that God has given us a church with a unified mission, but diverse members, so that you can face life's trials and life's joys together. So I want to ask you, what is your part to play in the church? What is your role? How do you fit? What gifts has God given you of which you can use to serve His body? I also want us to see from this passage, I think it's so clear, that there's no such thing as a Christian without a church. Did you see that in the passage? There's no such thing as a Christian without the body of Christ. You are a member of that body. The metaphor of a body requires that believers are part of a body. And that requires that you perform a part that others do not perform, and they perform parts that you do not perform, and that you need each other to survive. In other words, there is no such thing as a self-fulfilled, individual, completed Christian who doesn't need a church. That's not a thing. Christians are only Christians if they are a part of his body. In his recent little pamphlet by Nine Marks, What Should I Do Now That I'm a Christian? Sam Imadi states this very clearly. First, you get baptized. But who baptizes someone? A church baptizes someone. And so the first thing you should do as a Christian is to find a healthy church to join through baptism. 
So that just like this passage says, you can be baptized into one body. So this morning, if you are a church attender, but not yet a covenant partner, then that probably needs to change. You need to find yourself a healthy church where the Word of God is faithfully preached. A healthy church where you can submit to the teaching of the elders of that church and to the beliefs of that church. And you need to join it so that you can fulfill your role in the body of Christ. Think about it this way. If you are not a member or a covenant partner of a local church, it's as if you are saying, I don't need the gifts that God has given other people. I don't need the ways that they could encourage me. I don't need the ways that they could spur me on to good works. I don't need someone else that I can confess my sins to. I don't need someone else who can bear my burdens along with me. I don't need the teaching of the elders. I don't need the accountability that comes from the church. But that's not what we see here. We see in our passage a body. A body that works together for the joy and for the mutual struggle, verse 26, of the body together. And so the last thing I want to say this morning out of this passage is this. Every member has a vital role in the life of a church. If you are already a covenant partner of Gospel City Church, and I hope you are, then you have a vital role to play in the life of this church. Every single one of you, whenever you signed that church covenant, you read through the different things that it said. That is your role as a faithful member of this church, encouraging one another on to live faithful, gospel-centered lives. As this body and in the midst of this city, you are essential to the life of this church. So do not withhold your gifts or think that your gifts are unimportant. As our passage says, your gifts are essential. So use them. Ask your brothers and sisters how you can use them. Ask your elders what role you can play in the church. You are vital to the life of the church. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You so much for the clarity of Your Word. I thank You so much for this metaphor of the church as the body of Christ. I thank You that it is so clear and that through it we can see so clearly Your desires for us. Father, I pray for this local church. I pray for Gospel City Church that it will be a unified church in mission with diverse members that through their diversity express Your glory in more, more unique ways than would be possible with one individual. Father, I thank You that in this church that You have brought together covenant partners who have been baptized by one Spirit into one body. And that as this church suffers together, all the parts suffer. That 
as one member is honored, so everyone rejoices, so that they are able to face life together, using the unique gifts that you have given to each of them, so that the church may be stronger and more capable to bring you glory in this city. I'm so thankful for your gospel that has united us together. I'm thankful for your blood that was shed so that we might be forgiven. I'm thankful for the empty tomb so that we might have eternal life. That is the unity of this body. Lord Jesus, it is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.